keep open to Kings. Uh, we are going to be working through chapters 22 and 23 today. Uh, so it'll be great to have that open in front of you. And great job for making it out in this wind. Uh, I think I saw a cow flying across the sky earlier before. I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, but what keeps you busy? Maybe you're in a paid full-time job. Maybe you're a full-time mum, a full-time dad looking after those dependent kids. Or maybe you're like me, a full-time student. I just rocked up here at church a couple of months ago and I'm on holidays already. Uh, it's a pretty good time. But we all have things that keep us busy. Uh, but for a second, I want us to all imagine that we're civil engineers. Civil engineers, they have an important job. Uh, they have done years of education and training to get qualifications that make them qualified for doing the job that keeps us safe. They build bridge, well, they design and build bridges and buildings that don't crumble beneath us when we walk through them. But let's say, instead of someone that's been trained and qualified to be a civil engineer to keep us safe, we just picked out some random eight-year-old to do the job instead. It would go terribly. They would just crumble under the pressure like the buildings that they have designed. They'd probably design it in some kind of like dinosaur shape. Who knows? And so in 2 Kings 22 verse 1, we should be terrified. Take a look. 2 Kings 22 verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. They literally gave responsibility for the whole kingdom of Judah to some eight-year-old. I couldn't even open a packet of two-minute noodles when I was eight-year-old, let alone rule an entire kingdom. But with this guy, things actually turn out pretty good. But before we get there, though, let's think about what's been going on in the book of 2 Kings so far. We really have had bad king after bad king. One or two decent ones in the midst there. But the question that 2 Kings has been asking us over and over again is this. Is this new guy the guy? Is this the king who will do what is good and what is right and who will rule forever in the line of David. Is this the Messiah? And the answer here is promising. Take a look at 2 Kings 22 verse 2. He, that's Josiah, did what was right in the Lord's sight and walked in all the ways of his ancestor David. He did not turn to the right or the left. Josiah, unlike the kings before, does the right thing. He sticks with God. In fact, according to chapter 22, verse 25, he was the best king Israel saw prior to their exile to Babylon. This might be the guy. So let's take a look at his life. And from chapters 22 and 23, and you'll see on your outline... There are really two things that demonstrate that Josiah might be the guy, the king. Let's start with finding the law. Take a look, starting in verse 3. 
of chapter 22. In the 18th year of King Josiah, the king sent the court secretary Shaphan, son of Azaliah, son of Meshalam, to the Lord's temple, saying, Go up to Hilkiah the high priest, so that he may total up the money brought into the Lord's temple. The money the doorkeepers have collected from the people, it is to be put into the hands of those doing the work, those who oversee the Lord's temple. So what's going on here? Well, basically, Josiah, he wants to fix the temple after the last couple of kings have kind of beat it around a little bit. And so he gets the high priest to go through some of the rooms in the temple to find some money to pay the workers who are going to restore it. At this point, you have to admit, treating the temple like this, he's already doing a pretty good job. But let's see what happens next. While the high priest's looking, finding this stuff, take a look at what he finds in verse 8. Hilkiah the high priest told for Shaphan, the court secretary, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. Imagine this. After years and years of kings neglecting God's word, the book of the law is now found in the back of some room. Things were so bad, they literally had to dig out all this stuff from the room to find this book of the law. And now God's law is going to be read to King Josiah. Take a look in 22 verse 10. Then Shaphan, the court secretary, told the king, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read it in the presence of the king. Shaphan read it in the presence of the king. So what will Josiah do? If he's any, anything like the king so far in the book of one and two kings... He'll probably say something like, mate, this thing is hundreds of years old. We don't need it anymore. Get rid of it. Or maybe he'll say something like, any God who says all of that, oh, we just need to get rid of that. Get rid of that out of society and let us live how we want to live. Get rid of it. No, what Josiah does is so much more radical. Look in verse 11. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. Josiah isn't arrogant. He's not dismissive. He tears his clothes in anguish. He knows that because of all they have done, God's wrath is coming. And Josiah repents. He falls at the mercy of God and he repents. Now take a look at what happens in verse 12. Then he, that's Josiah, commanded Hilkiah the priest, Ahikim son of Shaphan, Akbor son of Micaiah, Shaphan the court secretary and the king's servant, Asiah, go and inquire of the Lord for me the people and all Judah about the instruction in this book that has been found. For great is the Lord's wrath that is kindled against us because our ancestors have not obeyed the words of this book 
in order to do everything written about us. Josiah sends his top officials to go and inquire of God to find out what the fate of the nation is. And at this point, all he knows is that he and the rest of Judah are completely deserving of God's wrath. And this is what the prophetess at the time says, starting in verse 16. This is what the Lord says, I'm about to bring disaster on this place and on its inhabitants, fulfilling all the words of the book that the king of Judah has read, because they have abandoned me and burned incense to other gods in order to provoke me with all the work of their hands. My wrath will be kindled against this place and it will not be quenched. Say this to the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. As for the words that you heard, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord, when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse. And because you have torn your clothes and wept before me, I myself have heard you. This is the Lord's declaration. Therefore, I will indeed gather you to your fathers and you will be gathered to your grave in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster that I am bringing on this place. God's message to Josiah is this. Judah has ignored me. They have sinned against me greatly and they will be punished. But you, Josiah, have heard my words. You've repented and I will save you from destruction. God doesn't show mercy because he tried to fix the temple at the beginning of the chapter or because of what he'll do in the rest of the passage. No, God's mercy to Josiah because God is faithful to his promise that he will forgive those who repent and turn back to him. And at this point, I just want to take a slight detour uh, and think about the place of the Bible in our lives. Because I think Josiah's repentance, his response to God's word, shows us a right response to God's word. Particularly in light of James 1. This is what it says, it should come up on the screen. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but one who does good works, this person will be blessed in what he does. When we engage deeply in God's word, we should see ourselves for who we truly are. Because the Bible... It points out the wrong things that we do. It reveals our heart's true desires. And it shows us our new life in Christ. And that's why sometimes when we read the Bible, it actually hurts. It can hurt to read the Bible. It's like the Dettol antiseptic for the heart. When I was a kid and I was at school and I would run around the playground on the concrete... Eventually, I wasn't very coordinated. Inevitably, I would fall over and I'd graze my knee and I would go to the school office and they would give me the Dettol antiseptic 
on my knee. And they would always say this one phrase that I will never forget. This might sting a little bit. (laughs) Then they would proceed to put it on my leg and all I could think was, surely an amputation must have been better. This is so painful. It just burnt. When we engage with the Bible, when we reflect on it, when we meditate on it, Josiah shows us it can do a little more than a sting on the knee. And at times it hurts because it shows us that without Jesus, our deepest desires are mangled by sin. And God wants us to change in light of his salvation. The Bible, the Bible points us back in the right direction. But that isn't always pain-free. And just like dental antiseptic, the Bible is good for us. People at work, the shops, at the school gate, they'll always say, say that the Bible needs to be thrown away with last week's leftovers. They'll say it's outdated, it's mean-spirited, it's harmful. Get rid of it. But what Jesus says is that that thinking is going the wrong way. Jesus doesn't say move away from the Bible. He actually says take it more seriously than you would ever think to do. Take a look at Matthew 5 verse 19 up on the screen. Sorry, it should be another slide there. Yep. This is what it says. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches people to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, the greatest man who ever walked this earth, says, take the Bible seriously. Don't break its commands and don't teach others to break them either. And over and over and over again, the Bible will show us that like Josiah, we have not lived up to God's standards. But there is one who did completely. And he gave up his life so that we could be shown mercy just like Josiah was. And every time we read the Bible, we're reminded of God's saving mercy and grace in Jesus. And it calls us to change our ways. So read it. Now, let me be honest here. I know this, and I say this, but if you looked at my personal life and my personal Bible reading, uh, I, again, have uh, very much not lived up to my own standard of what I'm saying here. And I wonder uh, if this is reflected in, in your own life as well. Josiah's response to God's Word brings that dead old sting to my own heart. And maybe it does for you, because I know that for myself, I haven't been taking the Bible seriously in my personal life. And you know, I've got all the excuses in order. My main one being, when I go to college today, I'm going to read the Bible anyway, so it'll be fine. You might have your own excuses. But Josiah's response shows us that we can't hide the Bible from our lives. And so here's my plan. This week, 
Each day, I'm going to sit down and I'm just going to read one column. One column from my Bible each day. And I'll just ask a couple of simple questions. I'll say, what does the Bible, what does this column of the Bible say about God? What does it say about humanity? What does it say about how we're saved? And what does it say about how God wants me to live? And I'm really hoping that it'll just be a simple way for me to be be able to get into the Bible, to engage with it and think about how it shapes my life. And so why not give it a go yourself? All it is, is just one column each day. And if you want to, you can tell me and we can talk to each other over the next couple of weeks and see how things are going, because this is something where I need to get better and I wonder if you do too. We can even keep chatting through it over the next couple of months leading into Christmas. But anyway, let's get back to Josiah. And we'll pick it up in chapter 23, where we see that Josiah repents. And the first thing that Josiah does is renew the covenant. What Josiah is doing is saying, God, we want to come back to living your way. So he gathers everyone and he reads the book of the law again. And do you see what he promises? Take a look in verse 3. Now the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commands, his decrees and his statutes with all his mind and with all his heart and to carry out the words of this book, of this covenant that were written in this book. This is huge. Think about all the kings in two kings so far, good or bad, none of them have gone this far to take God's word seriously, making promises to God to keeping his commands. And it's not just empty words. Take a look at the reforms Josiah makes. We don't even have time to quite look at each of them individually. But verse 4, in chapter 23, he burns all the idols. In verse 5, he does away with idolatrous priests. In verse 6, he burns Asherah poles. In verse 7, he tears down the houses of the cult prostitutes. In verse 10, he defiles Topheth to get rid of child sacrifice. In verse 11, he does away with horses dedicated to other gods. In verse 14, he gets rid of more Asherah poles and more idols. And finally, in verse 15, he even tears down the altar at Bethel, set up by the worst king of the northern kingdom. He's in the southern kingdom. He's even going outside of Judah to bring these reforms back for Israel. Josiah is finally the king that takes sin seriously. This is drastic action. Think about the surrounding nations. As he goes around and does all these things, these are their gods that he is getting rid of. But what Josiah does is right. He takes drastic action to get rid of these things. And this ought to be our response to sin too. Take a look at what Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 29, up on the screen. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body 
than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Jesus says the things that need to be, the things that cause us to sin, the things that cause us to go away from God, need to be removed from our lives. Take drastic action. If it's your hand, cut off your hand. If it's your eye, pull out your eye. If it's your mobile phone, pull it out of your pocket and throw it away. If it's your job, quit it. If it's your sinful heart, have Jesus cut it off and throw it away. Like Josiah, we need to deal with sin seriously. What are the things of this world that are causing you to sin? Is it money? Possessions? Is it alcohol? Is it just the pleasures of life? Cut them off and throw them away. Don't let them drag you away from Jesus and into hell. But when we look at this approach to sin, we come back to that question, don't we? Is Josiah the guy? Is he the king? Because here we see him sticking to the ways of the Lord, not turning to the right or to the left. Everything he has done has been for the glory of God. Is this the guy? Is this the king? Well, take a look in 23, verse 28. Chapter 23, verse 28. The rest of the events of Josiah's reign, along with all his accomplishments, are written in the historical record of Judah's kings. During his reign, Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, marched up to help the king of Assyria at the Euphrates River. King Josiah went to confront him, and at Megiddo, when Necho saw him, he killed him. Josiah dies. And that's it. In that way, he's just like all the kings before him, dead in a grave. Josiah was a great king. He loved God's law and he took drastic action against sin. But in the end, he died. Which just, it just forces us to see that Jesus is really the greatest king that we could ever imagine. Jesus, the king who as a child speaks the words of God in the temple. Jesus, the king who is so obedient to God's law, never had to have that shirt-tearing moment of repentance. Jesus, the king who in Philippians 2 was obedient to God to the point of death, even death on a shameful cross. Jesus, the king who took sin so seriously that he took the wrath of God so we could have mercy and have our sin cut off from us and thrown away. Jesus, the king who didn't die but rose again from the dead after he had died and he lives now seated at the right hand of God, ruling for eternity. This is the guy. This is the king. Josiah might have been a good king, 
But Jesus is the greatest king, the one whose word is worth reading, the one who shows us to take sin seriously, the one who lived in perfect obedient to God's law his whole life, the one who was obedient to the point of death on a cross so that he could offer mercy to sinful people like me, like you, and like Josiah. And so that like Josiah, we might repent and receive forgiveness. The one who died and lived again. The one who rules as the guy, the king eternally, and is coming back to be with his people again. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you for Josiah. He was a great king. And when we read of his life, we're reminded of your goodness and faithfulness. You have promised that you will forgive those who repent. And we see that in the words today. Lord, we ask that you might cause us to engage deeply with your word, not to tick a box, but so that we might see our forgiveness, that we might have that dead old antiseptic sting in our hearts and pursue your kingdom and righteousness. Help me and others who want to work at that and give us the time and space to make it happen. God, thanks that we have such a great demonstration of repentance in Josiah as well. God, you take sin seriously and we should too. Give us the passion to conquer sin through your spirit and to make known to us the areas of life we need to cut off and throw away. And finally, we thank you that we have a glorious King Jesus who didn't die for forever, but a king who conquered death, who lived completely according to your ways and who offers mercy and forgiveness to those who repent. The great Lord Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen.